You're dialed in to the Turnin' 2 Podcast with your hosts, Matt Mills and Tito. Welcome back, Cardinal fans, to another edition of the Turning 2 Podcast. I am your co-host, Tito Rivera, and I am joined by two special guests tonight because Dingy has left us in the dust. He doesn't even want us a part of his life anymore, but I've got two special guests. I've got Ryan Fisher, who joins me back, and we've got Christian. And Christian, you are a first-timer on the podcast as a guest. Let's start with you. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing good, thanks, Tito. How are you? I'm doing great. It's been uh, it's been a weird two weeks without baseball, um, but I'm doing okay. Ryan, what are you up to tonight? Uh, not much. I'm currently on a work trip, so just hanging out in a hotel room. Living the life in West Virginia, right? That's right. Okay, well, <laughs> at least maybe we can sing something for the Blues tonight. They play tonight against the Coyotes at 9 o'clock Central Time. I'm staying up for it. I'll have it on here soon, but we've got some baseball to get to Um, guys. There was a press conference. I don't know if you guys uh, heard about it. Um, It's with one Mike Schilt. And today he uh, said goodbye to the Cardinals for the first time since we found out of of his dismissal. And and I want to start with just how you guys, you know, kind of felt about his his handling of the press conference, Ryan. Um, I think it was, I watched a little bit of it. I was driving, but, uh, I think it was, he was just very graceful about it. I mean, um, I kind of figured that there wasn't going to be any ill will, like he's not going to air his dirty laundry on, on a press conference, but, um, no, he was just super professional about it. And, uh, parts of it were kind of hard to watch because you could tell he, uh, he, he, this organization meant a lot to him. Yeah, and we're going to get to that here in a, in a little bit because I, I want to talk about the effect of, of how emotions play into this. Um, Christian, you and I talked a little bit before we, we started this podcast, and you said you know you got to see bits and pieces of it. But, but what were your initial takeaways from how he handled and that he, being Mike Schilt, handled his press conference? Uh, it has to be said that um... – Mike Schilt was the embodiment of Cardinal Red. He bled Cardinal Red. And uh, you can tell that he really poured his heart and soul into this organization. And he felt that, for the large part, the organization reflected his philosophy. And um, it it was obvious that it was really hard for him coming to terms with the fact that he'd been let go by the Cardinals. And, uh, you know, it would make any ordinary man a little bit angry, a little upset. But I think that he handled himself extremely well. Uh, Ryan alluded to his professionalism, and it's... uh, it really did show. I mean, I didn't expect, like Ryan, I didn't expect there to be much in the way of grievance or ill will. I didn't expect it to be a juicy tell-all, but um, it was it was difficult to watch, especially watching him tear up at the end. But it was uh, that was just Mike Schilt. Yeah, it's just it, how it was. Yeah, it's it's weird because I think a lot of us, and I'm sure you guys saw this too, but a lot of us saw um people saying oh i hope mike schilt you know tears the cardinals a new one or i hope he i hope he just lays it all out there and this is a guy that's vying for another job and and we were going to talk about this a little later too you know especially with the padres but from my perspective you couldn't have handled a press conference any more classy than he did um he was just such a graceful uh a person on on the 
on the press conference. He thanked the Cardinals. He thanked his staff. He thanked his family. And, and at the end of the day, one quote kind of stood out to me, and that was his care for the Cardinals uh, ran deeper than his own career. And that just that just really spoke out to me because I think that as fans, we feel the same way about our lives. Right, Ryan? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And it's and it's one thing to 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 uh, to say, like, hey, you know what? I really love the Cardinals. But like for, you know, the fans that really gravitate towards the team, use them as a catalyst in their life to, you know, to bring them happiness and sometimes sharing the sorrows. Um, Christian, you know, you being not, you know, both of you, I guess, are not in, in Missouri. But when you guys see and, you know, when you guys actually physically get to see the Cardinals come to town, you know, that pride carries over with you. Right. It absolutely does. I mean, there's a there's always the friendly rivalry that comes with being a, a baseball ta- a baseball fan in a foreign town, if you will. But it's it's more than just the pride. It's it's a big part of your identity. It's it's who you it's who you circle with. It's who you're friends with. I mean, the vast majority of my presence online and especially on Twitter was motivated by my Cardinals fandom. And, you know, it's a big part of my life here in the U.S. as being part of this fandom. So I'm, I can certainly understand why it's, I guess, devastating and humbling for Mike Schilt. Yeah. And this is a guy who, you know, he spoke with Frank Cusimano of Channel 5, who said he he deliberately takes a certain road uh, to the stadium. And he described going down 7th Street and looking straight ahead and seeing the big old St. Louis Cardinals across the top of the stadium. And then right next to it is Stan Musial statue. And I know exactly and I can picture exactly exactly where he is when he is talking about this and i just can't help think to myself but like man when he's talking about just the route that he takes just to get to the stadium there's no better way or no better person you know i i I can think of to describe what it means to the cardinals and and so i want to move on to this portion of uh of what the emotions bring because we both, we all saw Mike Schilt get very, very emotional in this press conference. And the one thing that I come back to is we as fans can't forget that managers and players are human too. So, so Ryan, uh, what do you, what do you kind of make of his emotion in, in the moment? Um, I mean, and he's more graceful about it than I would have been, to be honest. I, I've, found myself in situations like that where you know you you leave it like not not fired from a job but you leave a job after being there for you know five six years and it, it's always bittersweet um i can't imagine you know making a career uh with an organization for 18 years and it it just end all of a sudden um you know i i, I think it's just very um just a very human reaction. Uh, that might be a, a dumb way to explain it, but uh, y- you wouldn't you wouldn't want someone to go up there and just be very plain Jane about it. So I, I kind of enjoyed seeing him, uh, you know, be emotional. Not I, I didn't enjoy seeing him, you know, get choked up or anything because that made me sad. But uh, you you do like to see that because you know that he really did care about the Cardinals. Yeah, Christian, what's your take on it? I mean, I know uh, emotions sometimes run high for everybody, and I know a lot of us were vocal about Mike Schilt and how he handled the the season at times. 
but to see that emotion, it kind of, you know, in my opinion, it kind of made me feel bad at times. What, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I, I'll be the first to admit I have been a visceral and rather loud critic of Schilt's uh, bullpen management at times. And, you know, I, I, you could argue that I don't know the first thing about baseball, sounding like a British person. So uh, it's a little bit high and mighty of me. But it's it was a pretty humbling reminder to me as a fan that it, it runs deeper than baseball. This is he's human. And mm-hmm. it's more than just job performance, especially scrolling through and seeing a lot of visceral hatred towards Schilt. And then taking a step back and realizing that he really did pour his all into it. And that, it, you know, again, at the end of the day, he's a baseball fan first and foremost. And I think that, you know, as a manager, there must be times when you really lose sight of that fandom. When you're, when you're living, breathing, sweating, sleeping the game. Sometimes it must be hard to retain that detached sense of fandom. And again, it's, it's telling in his emotions in that press conference just how much he cared. And you know, thanks to Mike Schilt for everything that he did. The heart attacks, the bullpen-induced mania. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, the fact of the matter is, is I think this press conference showed us that um, Mike Schilt, as, you know, I heard on 101 ESPN today, was and is a St. Louis Cardinal organizational man. He bled Cardinal Red, he bleeds Cardinal Red, and I think he forever will bleed Cardinal Red. I mean, there are a lot of people who would be, you know, very, uh, very lucky to be in the position he was. And I still think he would to this day would tell you that he was one of the luckiest people alive to be able to be a part of an organization like the St. Louis Cardinals. And I think one thing that we often forget is, you know, Mike Schilt was in a very difficult position when he first came on board or not, not when he first came on board. I mean, Uh, when he first became uh, interim manager, the Cardinals were struggling. They had just fired their manager in Mike Matheny. Um, And so he came in and had to step in and and immediately, immediately turn the ship around. And he did that with a lot of class and a lot of grace too. Um, And the Cardinals made it to the playoffs every single time that he, you know, every year that he was the, the manager. But the fact of the matter is, is, these philosophical differences, whatever we want to call them, um, it makes it it makes it hard to uh, it makes it hard to to just put in perspective uh, how much you know winning means to the organization, and then keeping the status quo with one manager. I mean, we had Tony Larusa for so long, and now we've had two managers in the last eleven years, where Tony Larusa I think was a manager for sixteen ish years. Um, that's a that's a lot of change for one organization as as historic as the Cardinals. So, what's next for Mike Schill? I, I think the the big thing here over the weekend was that the Padres uh, were looking to uh, interview. So, Christian, what do you make of that news? So, I, I do remember seeing the John Heyman press release, and uh, I will out myself now. I I absolutely fucking loathe John Heyman. I think he's <laughs> so. I think very little he says with any any sense of realism. So I take it all with a grain of salt. Uh, I saw the uh, the tweet about uh, Jace Tingler being fired, and then saw that it was walked back. So I, it was surprising to me that they are looking to interview candidates. But um, I think I think the Padres would be a real challenge for Schilt. I think it would be one that he would excel at. I mean, you look at the big personalities he had to work with in St. Louis, Molina in particular being one. You know, how do you how do you talk Yadi out of starting 162 games a year? 
He's going to have to do the same thing with Tatis and Machado, both of whom are very strong personalities. And, and I, I would I argue that, are bigger personalities too. A hundred percent. And, uh, and it's not just that it's, you know, Yadi is a proven veteran. Mm-hmm. Tatis is the, is the, is the brash young gun Machado, I guess the hot headed vet. And it's going to, it's going to be interesting to see how he would manage those teams uh, how, how he would manage those players on a really, really talented roster. And I, I, I think that Schilt could probably extract better results than Jace Tingler would, probably because Schilt's going to be the first guy to have their back. If that's one thing that we can take from his time in St. Louis was that he absolutely had the respect and love of that clubhouse. And I think that that's not something that you lose when you change organizations. Yeah. Uh, Ryan, you want to piggyback on your, your thoughts uh, on whether Schilt is the right guy for the Padres? I'll say that I think that he would get more out of the Padres team than uh, Jay Tingler just because Mike Schilt, like Christian said, always went to bat for his guys. He's not going to he's not going to be the guy to like Tony LaRusso or Jay Tingler before that. One of your players or one of their, their own players when they hit a, you know, a home run on a 3-0 pitch, mm-hmm. um, you know, but uh, no, I the only thing that strikes me as him not being an ideal fit for San Diego is I know that Schilt had had uh, aired frustrations about pitching mm-hmm. um, and obviously uh, San Diego's pitching situation is kind of a dumpster fire at the moment <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah so that that's I, that I think definitely- that would definitely yeah I, I think I think knowing that and us seeing that firsthand um, I think that would, would be a concern, uh, especially since they don't have, they don't have prospects to deal anymore. Um, and they, I mean, I, I guess they got some money, at the, but you know, a lot of that went to extensions and, and stuff. I, I think that he could end up in San Diego. Um, I just, I just don't know if it's super ideal. Um, I'm sure we'll see some more openings, uh, you know, in, after November and after postseason baseball ends but uh you know we'll see yeah i was gonna gonna add something to that which was i mean i know the mets are hiring (laughs) so i I, you laugh i could actually see shilt fitting in and doing really well in flushing that's a that's a good point kind of think about it i would have to agree with that just because like knowing shilt and and my opinions about the whole quote-unquote philosophical differences i think schilt is just a very i don't want to say super old school but he's just very like you know <laughs> defensive like base running type stuff and I, I i think that the mets really need that because year after year they find themselves making headlines for the wrong reasons and they just they just need to get back to basics yeah, yeah Schilt would be the brush of the breath of fresh air that that organization desperately needs you know it'd be interesting to see if steve cohen can take a back seat and shut up for once and <laughs> I think it'd be, yeah, the Mets are an interesting case. I, I think one thing that I think about, and um, it, and it has to strictly do with being in New York, is that how would Mike Schilt handle the media there? Um, with, you know, it's nice, New York is grand and nice, and, you know, big things happen there. But uh, with that comes the price of the media and how, over scrutinized everything is i mean it's not like st louis where i'm not going to say it's a cakewalk but it's certainly more forgiving than new york and and i think that would be a big a big setback in san diego too is that they have become an increasingly volatile media 
circus. Um, I, I think Schilt would struggle with the media in New York. I think that would be the big detractor because I mean, in many ways, the Mets roster is similar to the Cardinals. You know, they're, they're much more, I hate to say team oriented because, you know, they are team oriented. They, they have one or two big stars, but you know, it would be the media that would ultimately sink Schilt in New York. I think, I, I think, and especially because they have a quick leash, right? A quick hook. He yeah. goes on you know, three or four game losing streaks and they're going to be asking whether he's the right man for the job. <laughs> and I'm seeing how defensive he got at times in St. Louis. I could see that becoming a recurring theme. Yeah, you know, the Mets haven't won for so long. And, they, you know, they've obviously been to the World Series in, in more recent years, but they haven't won it all in so long. So the, the desperation there, especially with, you know, signing Lindor to such a huge deal, um, kind of amps it up a little bit more. Okay, so there was one thing that happened in the in the press conference today that really caught my attention, and I'm sure it caught a lot of people's attention, and rightfully so. Um, and that was when uh, Mike Schilt decided to single out Ali Marmol um, with a special shout out and saying that, you know, he, he has has the utmost respect for him and has deepest trust for him. And, and Christian, I, I just want you to give me a quick word on this. Do you think that was an endorsement for Ali Marmol, Ali Marmol for the St. Louis Cardinals manager position? Schilt was always rather cryptic, right? I mean, he, he had his, his buzzwords and his catchphrases, but he, he always kept his intentions pretty well veiled. And um, I'd like to think it was an endorsement, but I guess the, the Cardinal fan of me really wants Mo to look outside the organization, but I, I think it would be foolhardy not to retain Oli Marmol in at least the role that he is currently in. I mean, he's... Shilt, to all accounts, said that he was a fantastic advisor. Mm-hmm. And all of the sound bites and stuff that I saw from people like Katie Wu, Charlie Marlow, Charlie Marlo indicated that Marmol is held within such high esteem within the Cardinals organization that he, he's not just an analytical man, but he's a man with a great insight of how to run a team. And I, I think, I think Shilt is alluding to that. I think Shilt is alluding to the fact that perhaps sometimes he'd have felt lost without Marmol. Yeah, uh, Fish, same question for you. Ali Marmol comment, is that a ringing endorsement for you? I think that is definitely Schultz's uh, way of saying, hey, if I were to leave this, leave the reins to someone, this is who I choose. And I think I think the Cardinals, like Ali's probably on their short list. Um, like Christian said, I'd like, like them to entertain the, the uh, you know, possibility of going outside of the organization. But at the same time, I mean, Ollie's been with the, the club for a while. He's done a variety of roles. Uh, you know, he's first base coach, uh, bench coach. You know, all, he's done a, uh, just everything that's been asked of him. Each each year has been something different. Um, and I don't think that it to go to a, a younger manager because obviously it seems that the Cardinals want to get more analytical. Um, and we've seen that that approach has yielded success, um, in the minor leagues. Uh, so I, I don't think that it's, it's too crazy of an idea to go to someone, uh, like Marmol, who's only 35 and, uh, seems by all accounts to have players, uh, trust and respect and seems to adopt an analytical 
analytical approach. Yeah. And I think if you're asking me as of right now, I absolutely think this is a ringing endorsement. Um, I'm not, and I'm not saying that there aren't other qualified candidates out there, but I think Mike Schultz is pretty much saying right there, if you're going to pick my successor at this point, here's who I trust the most to carry on uh, the Cardinal legacy, the Cardinal historic uh, franchise, franchise uh, motto, the Cardinal way. Um, I also heard over the weekend and I'm not going to name names, but um, I have a very trusted friend who, uh, who also has a friend that used to be a groundskeeper at Bush stadium. And they are saying that the, there's a good strong likelihood. The person is Ollie Marmol. Um, and so if I tie those two things together and I learned about that yesterday, so now I tie this together, I am about, you know, if you're going to put a percentage on it for me, I'm putting it at 95%. It's going to be Ollie. Um, but would I also have liked to see somebody external come in? Sure. I think so. I think that would have made a lot of sense. Um, especially if it was a heavy analytics guy. Um, but you know, sometimes you know, the Cardinals operate a very certain way. They, they like to stay internal. They like to keep within because of that motto that we just talked about the Cardinal way. So I want to ask you guys this now, a lot of people have been saying that because of this or what has happened to the Cardinals is that, you know, the Cardinals have lost their way. They have lost the Cardinal way. Um, Ryan, do you think that's true? I don't think so. I think, I think clearly the, what causes separation, there's something that's been mounting. Um, and I think that maybe people are alluding to that, but I, I don't think that it's become that big of a disconnect that it is like, you know, ruining the Cardinal way per se. Um, and, and, you know, I, I don't want to say that I've always found that funny, but, you know, I just feel like people use the Cardinal way for like, use it as a singular definition, but for multiple, you know, meanings, if that makes sense. So yeah. it's like, I think to me, Cardinal way is just like, you know, it's, it's, it's just professionalism. And, and I, I don't think that that's uh, something that the Cardinals have ever really let go of. I think that's something that they high and he- he- let me try that. They Hold. Hold in high regard. <laughs> yes. I can't get I can't get the words out. Can't get the words out. That's okay. I'm here for you. <laughs> um, Christian, same question. Have they lost their cardinal way? Um, so again, as Ryan alludes to, people use the cardinal way as an overarching term for a number of different philosophies within the cardinal organization. I like Ryan's idea that it is about professionalism. Um, I think my interpretation of it is it's, it's, it's giving you all for 27 outs. Right. Um, yeah. But you know, there are some on Cardinals Twitter. He'll say, Oh, it's whitey ball, you know, small ball, stealing bases, hit and run. And I don't think that was ever the Cardinal way. I think that was just part of an evolving field of baseball. So um, I think for me, it's just about fighting hard for 27 outs. It's never giving an inch. It's, it's fighting even when your back's against the wall. And I, and I think given the 17 game winning streak and just, the utter marvelous bullshit that that was, was proof that the Cardinals have never lost the Cardinal way. Right. It's, 
they find ways to win when the odds are just stacked against them. And I think that that is the true Cardinal way. Whether that's going to go away with a managerial shift, hell, I doubt that. They haven't lost the Cardinal way in 120 years of existence. Right. And I think I'm going to marry the two ideas here that you guys are bringing forward. The Cardinal way to me is good fundamental baseball, um, but carrying yourself um, as if you are a professional ball player, right? Um, And what I mean by that is, Obviously, playing good fundamental baseball, as you say, Christian, is playing 20, you know, playing through the full 27 ounce that you are in a game and giving everything that you have. And what I mean by your end, uh, Ryan, is that when you are out there on the field, act as if you've been there before. Um, and, and I think that is something that the manager has to tie together at times. And then you bring in this, this piece of analytics. And obviously, uh, as of, you know, Mike Schultz firing analytics is now a, a buzzword for pretty much anybody that's following the Cardinals, because a lot of it seems to have to do with whether Mike Schultz or not was fired over him, you know, believing in analytics or not being analytical enough, um, especially with one Jeff Albert. And, and here's where I stand in terms of what it means to be uh, or have the cardinal way with analytics. There is something to be said about fundamental baseball just based on the eye test. We see it. We know it. Like if you go out there and look at the Cardinals over those 17 games, you knew that was that was the best baseball they were playing. And you knew that that was how former Cardinal teams play. You saw the Cardinal way in action. But at the same time, analytics was driving this piece all along too. And that was something that Mike Schultz had to accept. And the one thing that I think of and that I know other people may have thought of is what if – analytics told Mike Schilt to move Tyler O'Neill to the third spot. And all of a sudden it doesn't become, man, Schilt's the smartest manager in the world. It's boy, Schilt really had to swallow some pride just to be able to bring in analytics so that the Cardinals could win. So I understand this huge, you know, dilemma people are having with analytics and the Cardinal way and, and just this buzzword that's going around. But the fact of the matter is, is, Right now, in the game of baseball, you can't have one without the other. They are walking simultaneously, hand-in-hand, down the same road. And the cardinal way, as I understand it, and I'll get your guys' opinion after I say it, is playing fundamental baseball while also being analytical. And that means being the best player you can and being in the best position to win at all times with the most amount of data that you have at your, at your fingertips. And that's something that maybe Mike Schilt wasn't willing to have. Hmm. I mean, so I, I again, I, I try not to buy into the differing accounts of everything. I mean, again, I know there, there are a lot of people who were hoping Mike Schilt would air, air the dirty laundry would, you know, would give the good gossip today, but yeah. I guess his lack of clarity in that situation has made it difficult. I mean, whether or not Schilt was willing to adopt analytics, you could see its footprints throughout the organization. I mean, yeah. and, and as, as you point out too, I mean, it both works and doesn't work for the Cardinals. I mean, during the 17-game win streak, everything went right. But also to the other end of it, you know, we look at the most prominent analytical 
shift in baseball, and that is, and I, I gave it away there, it's the shift. Yeah. I have never seen the Cardinals get burned by the shift as much as I did this year. You know, squibbers to the opposite side, beating out, beating, you know, hitting, hitting against the shift. It burned the Cardinals so many times this year. And it's, I, I think the Cardinal way, as you allude to again, is, is marrying those analytics with your instinct. Yeah. The Cardinals have always been an instinctive ball club. And I think that's really what sets us apart from teams like, you know, teams like the Cubs, teams like the Pirates, teams like the Reds, the Brewers too. I mean, I guess the Brewers is probably the starkest contracts. They're all analytics. They're all matchups. Craig Council was pushing that. He was pushing that as part of his identity when he took over the, the club. And it's, it's really the starkest difference. Sorry. It, it, it does. Re- no, you're good. I, it, I mean, I, I think it's a great point. I mean, the, the contrasts and the, the approach to analytics at this point have made the evolution of baseball a, a very fascinating conversation. So, guys, we've got about, about uh, eight-ish minutes to, to wrap up our, our podcast tonight. Um, and I want to talk about uh, this one thing that's been kind of bugging me. Um, since this announcement of Mike Schilt. And it's the idea that, um, that, that the general manager, I guess, or the POBO, president of baseball operations, John Moselock, he has now told me, I'm all in. I'm all in to win. And so, uh, Christian, I kind of want your opinion on this first. When you, when you now, now that the dust has settled with Mike show, we'll call it good. And we'll move on as Mike show wants us to, um, what do you, what, what, what happens next? What's success for you? So, I mean, I get very tired of seeing Cardinal fans on Twitter, you know, going, Oh, Mo doesn't care about the Cardinals. He only cares about five <laughs> making oh, the wild, you, making it's, money. It's Twitter Christian. Come on. I know, man. But you know, I, I can't can't resist but take a dig sometimes, right? I mean, good at I'm always sardonic and satirical. Um, I I think for Mo, I think success is is going to be not just about what he puts in terms of the managerial position and how he then reshuffles the staffing. I think a big success for him is going going to be in going to be addressing the shortstop situation. It's going to be strengthening the bullpen because we can't have a situation where we rely on three arms to death again. I mean, I, I think for him, it's going to be winning the division. I, I genuinely think Mazalak is is in on it. I think he's, I think this is a real positive sign of intent, misguided or not, unfair or not. I, I also guess you could call letting Schilt go by phone call, as the rumors said that he did. I guess you could call that kind of kind of crappy, but I, I think it's a real sign of intent from him that he intends to push and embrace the analytics. I think he's intending to challenge the Brewers. I think the Brewers are going to be the class of the NL Central going forward. They're going to be our main rival. So I really think for him, success is a 90-plus win season and a division title. But first, he needs to, well, he needs to address the staffing. He needs to address exactly who's going to go where. And he really needs a shortstop. Because I, I love Edmundo Sosa's passion for the game. But man, he could be rough at the plate sometimes, almost as bad as DeYoung. Ryan, what's success for you? What's, what is success for John Moselock in, in your eyes? Yeah, I think um, I think this is my personal opinion about like the whole, whole thing. I think that Mosaic has seen around the league teams like you now the Dodgers aren't the best uh, example just because they they have a lot of money as well. But uh, like the Oakland Athletics, Tampa Bay Rays, um, these teams that have adopted the idea 
of setting a dynamic lineup. It's not the same guys out there every night. Like uh, Christian said, they play in the matchups. And I think that ushering that in, which is, I guess, a more quote-unquote analytical approach, I think that automatically brings more success because then you don't have guys up there that just look like they are completely overmatched uh, at the plate and uh, certain people batting in the same spot in the lineup every day, uh, despite them, you know, having a monster month and they're still batting eighth, something, things like that. I think a dynamic lot lineup construction is a big thing, but like Christian said, I think that Moe's also looked at, you know, other teams and other divisions and inside of our own division. And he's, he's tired of looking up and he wants to have the Cardinals, you know, put their, put their feet on the division's throat and they want to take it. And I think that that's, that is probably their number one priority is uh, getting a shortstop. You have, you have quite a few options, Um, uh, you know, getting some pin arms that aren't going to bite you in the ass. Like in years past a Greg Holland, a Brett Cecil. We don't want that. Um, But also I think you need to sign at least one formidable arm. Uh, I don't know that Libby's going to be ready next year, but, um, I, I just think that getting one arm really makes a difference. So who, who's available in the starters market? Scherzer, obviously. I think Robbie Ray is a name that I think a lot of people will gravitate to as well. Um, starter for the Red Sox tonight, Eduardo Rodriguez. I wouldn't that's, mind Rock. That that's a that's a very fair fair argument too. That's a very um, low move. Yeah. It, 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 yeah, it does seem like a very mo move. So I will, I will, I'm going to piggyback on everything you guys both said, because I agree with everything. I think that the division title obviously is, is something that Mo desperately needs to achieve because we saw what happened this year. We got into the wild card game um, and we could, we didn't get, we didn't win. Um, but, you know, if you win the division, you're on to that next round. And I think the Cardinals could have beat the Braves. Um, I'm not going to say hands down, um, but, uh, uh, but they easily could have beat them, I think. Um, so I'm actually going to take it one step further. I think this move signifies a clear intent, as Christian said, but it's a clear intent that Mo is all in and that the only way that his success is going to be measured is if they win an NL pennant with, you know, or two within the next three to four years. Um, and if they can win a World Series in one of those two uh, NL pennants. Uh, and the reason I say that is because, one, you're, you're moving a lot of money off the books this, uh, this next year. So your intent to go get somebody out there is going to be very, very strong, whether that's in the starters market or in the shortstop market. But at the same time, it's also going to be uh, a moment where other teams are going to start losing some guys in contracts and, and you got, and you've got a young outfield that's not going to cost you that much money. Um, and they're very brilliant. So right now, in my opinion, success is going to be whether or not um, the Cardinals can, can uh, capture that division crown, but take that next step too and get to the NLCS and then take that next step and win the NLCS. But it does start back at what you said, Christian, is addressing the staff. Who is the right guy for the 
to take the team to that promised land because part of the reason why I think Mike Schilt was let go was because he didn't have the, they, the Cardinals didn't think he had the, the capability of, of winning a big series. Uh, yes, he's been to an NLCS before, but he didn't win that one. He got swept in four games. And I think uh, recently uh, Bernie Nicholas said that his, his postseason record, you know, he had lost like the last seven or eight. Um, that's not exactly what you want to see for, for the Cardinals. So I think that's why that move is, is made. Um, so guys, we're, we're in the final, final minute or so of tonight's show. Um, and I just kind of want to give you guys a, a quick thank you um, and, and just kind of wrap up. Um, thanks to Ryan Fisher and Christian. Um, Ryan, where can they find you on Twitter? Uh, at rfish36. And Christian, where can they find you on Twitter? Uh, I am now at Spooky Cheez Its. Uh, my <laughs> account got nuked because I got I got mouthy with Jeff Passan, so uh, hey. don't follow me there anymore. Yeah, well, I I, I got mouthy with him too, just not like you. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I got what I deserved. I will not <laughs> my behavior. Well, for uh, Ryan and, and Christian, my name is Tito. Thank you so much for joining the uh, Turn Into Podcast. You can find us on Google Podcast, iTunes, um, and also Spotify. Until next time, how about them Cardinals?